0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 20 of the Modern Classrooms podcast. My name is Kate Gaskell, head of teaching and learning, and I am joined by two incredible guests on this one. Modern Classrooms mentor and secondary science teacher, Demi Logger, and one of my former mentees in the Modern Classrooms professional development and high school English teacher, Alicia Cordero. In this episode, we're discussing an issue that is very near and dear to my heart and is so timely at this unique moment we find ourselves in. Teacher sustainability and combating that teacher burnout problem. Uh, before we dive in, I want you to get to know and love these two educators as much as I do. Uh, let's start with you, Demi. Could you tell us a little bit about your career in education and how you came to the Modern Classrooms Project?
1: Yes. Hi, Kate. Thank you so much for having me on this podcast. I'm very excited. So, I started my career after college, actually, I started working um, for the government where I was providing health education for the community. While that wasn't my entire job, I kind of slowly started to realize that it was my favorite part. And after realizing how much I enjoyed that, um, I went back to school, made the leap to become a middle school science teacher, because that's my background in science. And I was in Washington, DC. So I started working there. And I was lucky enough to um, have a colleague, shout out to Monty, to really push me to attend the Modern Classroom's uh, summer training.
0: Awesome. Awesome. And then where are you teaching now, Demi?
1: I teach in Santa Barbara, California um, at Trivium Charter School.
0: Okay. I was also a career switcher and, you know, kind of, I talked about teaching was like coming home and I absolutely loved it. So we are going to have to talk about that offline because I didn't know that about you.
2: (laughs) Alicia, I'm so excited
0: to have you on the podcast. Um, You are a newer addition to our Modern Classroom family. We were connected last summer for the first time. Uh, Can you share a little bit about your teaching career and how you came to find Modern Classrooms? First,
2: thank you so much for inviting me to speak on this topic. Uh, It's one that's near and dear to my heart as well. We connected last summer because I was also um, given a push by a colleague, shout out to Bernadette, um, who said that this was one of the more useful professional developments she'd ever been to, ever engaged in. I am in the 14th year of my career as an educator. I have held multiple jobs. Before I had my uh, educational degree, uh, In uh, I got my BA and then my MA and started teaching uh, right out of college. And I was in Southern Maryland for the first six years of my career, and then I switched over to Virginia, where I am now. And I've taught basically every level of English and every grade of English about in my 14 years. Oh, wow. I didn't know you'd done every grade level. Yeah. I think ninth, I only did for a couple of weeks, and then I had a switch okay. in schedule, but that's okay. <laughs>
0: Bless, bless you. Bless you. (laughs) Um, Well, I mentioned early that this is a topic very important to me personally, um, because I consider myself, you know, to be frank, a burned out teacher. I I absolutely love my role with the Modern Classrooms Project, and I feel lucky every day to be a professional teacher, cheerleader, and thought partner and sponge. I learn, I learn more from the teachers uh, that I work with than they could ever learn from me. Um. But to quote Dr. Jill Biden, being a teacher isn't just what I do, it's, it's who I am. It's my heart, it's in my bones. So leaving that job I loved uh, meant that I was I was exhausted. I was burned out. I simply physically couldn't keep going. And I am equally comforted and saddened when I step back and look at the issue nationally to realize that I very much am not alone. Uh, an analysis by the National Foundation of Ed Research found teachers are more likely to suffer job related stress far more than other professionals. So one in five teachers feels tense at their job all the time or most of the time. This is different than our non teacher friends who, um, you know, one in eight of them have expressed these stress rates. And we know that sadly, you know, teachers who are special education educators or language development teachers, and especially those in Title One schools, leave at rates uh, far higher than their peers in more affluent schools. And this teacher turnover—it's damaging. You know, it hurts. It hurts students. It hurts districts. It hurts families. It hurts us as educators. It's expensive. And they say in an urban when an urban district loses a teacher, that's about twenty thousand dollars. So, in other words, our teachers that are serving our most vulnerable population the pressures that they're facing cause them to leave their schools at much higher rates. And we lose a lot of institutional knowledge. We lose a lot of consistency for students and colleagues. And we'll put a a recent article that the New York Times put out in the show notes, Alicia and I, you and I were talking about this actually, that lifted up the unique exhaustion and isolation teachers are feeling right now during COVID-19, adapting to remote learning, hybrid learning and and feeling like their health could be jeopardized in physical schools. Um, so I continue to believe, though, that there is nothing stronger than the heart and optimism of a teacher. Um, and I, I have to think that there are things, big and small alike, that can be done to make teaching more sustainable now and after this pandemic is over. Um, so I'm so excited to be joined by you two, two of my favorite teachers tonight. Um, you're just pillars of kindness and consistency for me because I know like you or like me rather, um, you have a real heart for teachers and you have a lot to say about this. Um, so I want to start, first of all, just you personally as a teacher, what are the signs for you, physical, emotional, social, that you are burning out and, how did you come to recognize these throughout your career? And I guess you're still practicing classroom teachers. You're still doing the work. What are your responses that enables you to continue doing this amazing, amazing job?
1: Yeah, well, when I think of signs of burning out, for me personally, it's it's losing sleep. It's like my anxiety is like increased to a point where I'm not sleeping well at all. I suffer from anxiety in general, but I, you know, you can't sustain that over time, not sleeping for a long time. And I uh, can pinpoint it to teaching because my thoughts that are running through my head or that are waking me up at night is like, did I check in with Jamie about their project? Did I, um, you know, talk to my principal about that today? Like, even if I know for sure I marked off my list a hundred times, that still, you know, comes back to me. And when that happens, when I'm losing sleep and thinking through these things all through the night, you know, the burnout becomes more aggressive. I withdraw a little bit. I have really, like, high expectations for myself. And then I'm reminding myself that, like, I'm not meeting them because I'm not sleeping because I'm thinking about Jamie's project. <laughs> so those are definitely the signs for me.
0: Yeah. How has your response to those changed Um you know at this level of your career versus when you when you first started out that that first semester of teaching
1: honestly like my biggest change in response to it all was with the modern classrooms project in traditional teaching i could never like verify that for myself at night if i checked in with that person are my kids where they need to be um uh, with modern classrooms uh, obviously the tracker right reassures me that i've checked in with them but more importantly I know I'm very confident that I'm pushing my students who need to slow down. I'm not pushing them to go faster. And I'm not holding back those students who are maybe a little quicker with the content right now. I sleep better at night knowing they are where they need to be. And I have a plan available to every single one of them to master the content.
0: That's a a really interesting point. Yeah. Like we talk about data-driven instruction, you know, being good for kids, but it's, it's good for teachers and our well-being. And yeah, I... Modern classrooms made that you know that platitude data driven instruction. It made it real for me as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, most definitely. I I can really if I start having that anxiety, I can do that kind of like just check in with myself and like you have a plan. Like you, <laughs> like no matter what, no matter where they are, they are where they need to be right now, and we have a plan for them.
0: Yeah, Alicia, what about you? What are the the signs uh, that you're burning out, and how have you come to recognize those and throughout your career, how's the response changed?
2: So I find it really interesting that, um, Demi, you've said you had anxiety, because I also have anxiety. And the more I speak to my fellow educators, the more people I know who have anxiety, and I I truly think it is just like a a teacher trait um, in, in some ways, because we are so type A personalities where we have lists and we like to check things and get them done and have that security of Knowing that we have completion behind us, um, for me, my anxiety lives in a number of physical states where I will feel more run down. But um, you know, mentally, I'll try and push through it. My body is always a big indicator of how my anxiety is doing, and I often have these discussions with my students. You know, if you're not sleeping well, that's the first indicator that something is wrong. It's your body and your brain trying to tell you that something is amiss and you need to check in with yourself. So uh, sleep, like Demi had mentioned, is something that is usually disrupted to me. You are, um, I think, a much more thoughtful teacher because I don't often think about my students' uh, assignments and things along those lines. I think of like larger Oh, gosh, how are we going to get through this issue? This testing has come up, so on and so forth. Um, Things maybe in the future that I'm kind of catastrophizing at this moment. Um, And socially, I'll withdraw a little as well. Or if I am around other people, they will notice that I seem a little introverted, not as um, social as I usually am or as bubbly as I usually am. I didn't really take a lot of stock in terms of burnout early in my career, mostly because I really bought into the myth of the martyr teacher, which I know we'll speak on in a bit. But I really thought that that was like part of the job. Like you were going to feel like you've run the gauntlet every single day of your life and you're going to feel just done. This was normal. This was expected. If you were doing it right, this is what you should be doing. And through, I think, years of just growth in my, my educational career and confidence in my teaching abilities, I realized that that, in fact, isn't a signification of like you being the best of what you do. It's actually a very unhealthy practice. So really sussing out what is healthy, what is unhealthy, and then uh, really building a way to um, respond to those physical indicators when they first pop up for me. So my response has changed to them over the last 14 years in when I I start seeing the first signs of lack of sleep. I'll make sure I get up out of bed and I'll make a list. What is it that's bothering me? So I'll write that stuff down. And then the next day, try and get up at a decent time and attack that and really have a thought process of what is it that's really bothering me that's keeping me awake. In terms of what Demi mentioned with the modern classroom piece, Um, Even in a year as riddled with anxiety as we just come out of, I will say that it has been such just a weight off my shoulders. We speak a lot about invisible backpacks that we all carry that are filled with emotional weight. And I feel that was just one brick or one book lighter out of that backpack because it was something that I knew I had, I think, more control over. Even in an uncontrolled variable such as the jump to online teaching. Yes, yeah, I, Alicia, I really,
0: I really like you lifting up the the myth of the martyr teacher, and I think when the pandemic, uh, when the pandemic impacted the United, started impacting the United States last spring, and we really saw roles of teachers shift, um, and I'm. I'm curious, you know, since sometimes those were very unfair expectations, really, but how has your role uh, with your students or your colleagues, and I know, Alicia, you're a department chair, so how has that shifted for you during COVID-19?
2: So I shared department chairship with another colleague, and I think, because we are such a large department, we have like almost 30 people in our department, but, you know, I think... The one of the things that I really concentrate on as a department chair is just being honest with ourselves and each other and being open. Uh, There's a lot in terms of toxic positivity that has gone around. There was a really great article from We Are Teachers that kind of became viral, I think, at the beginning of this year because of the sudden shift. We were supposed to be able to run all these new programs and know how to do everything online and then also teach our students how to do all these things online and make it work and make everything seem as if it was the same and normal and do it all with a smile on our face and make pretend everything is great. I know that there is a certain level of toxic positivity that is built into the myth of the martyr teacher because we all have lives and we all experience You know, negative things or upsetting things. But when we get into that classroom, it's almost as if many of us feel that our performance starts. And we, you know, emit that false narrative of, I am fine, everything's fine, because we don't want to disrupt the mood of the classroom. That's part of our classroom control. Um, But I think for me as a department chair, Really having frank conversations with my department members of, you know, if you really feel like you're suffocating, you need to take a day off. You need to take a day off and you need to step away from this computer. You need to be able to tell me that you're not happy with this program. You need to be able to be open with our content administrator and talk about your concerns and your scheduling. It's really important. That you know, we focus on the reality of the situation rather than focusing on the positive and rejecting or denying the negative, and displacing that negative um, without really digging deep into that negative and figuring out some really constructive ways of how to get through it.
0: Yeah, yeah. I first of all, I'm very glad that teachers at your school have you as a teacher leader. Thank you. Um, Demi, I'm curious about your role. I know then you've, you've had the unique experience of shifting schools during this. Um, you moved over the summer. So I'm curious how your role, whether that's a colleague or, you know, the student's teacher, how has that shifted during COVID for
1: you? Um, yeah. So I moved, started at a new school, which, uh, you know, started with virtual learning. So you know, I haven't had the the time, unfortunately, to like meet with my colleagues that much, even virtually, and and get to know them. So, you know, some some outlets like the like the Modern Classrooms projects and friends and and all that have been really nice to talk about talk about this with. Because as a teacher, especially currently during COVID, you do I feel like I'm doing a lot of setting myself on fire to keep others warm. Because you know how Alicia. You talked about like that toxic positivity where we have to go in and people you know you you hear a lot at schools of like okay but when you go into that classroom you have a smile on your face and students can't know that you also feel and have these negative experiences that you're processing so um, it's really cool to hear Alicia say as a leader in her school that she you know encourages teachers to to recognize when it's too much for them and let them know that it that it's okay but my role um, in the classroom teaching, I've done a lot of, like, putting at the forefront of my lessons, like, just interactions with each other. So, starting, just kind of starting my day with my students, like, talking about things that are not related to our content. We do a lot of would-you-rathers and, like, okay – is cereal a soup? <laughs> like it is a liquid in a bowl. Would you call it a soup? And so we do a lot of that just to like create conversation and talk with one another, like really encourage, like let's just chat like with no pressure. There's no grading. There's no participation points. Like let's just chat. So I think that's like, a was a really big shift in my role, like in the classroom, was just like making sure we are, we're communicating with one another, like getting that time.
0: Yeah, Demi, mean, I, first of all, I just can't imagine I didn't piece that together until this podcast that you never had the opportunity to meet your new colleagues in person and that must, yeah, that must feel pretty isolating. I'm sorry.
1: It's okay. I mean, it does. And it's, of course they're, they're great. And when we talk online, it does, it's just like the world we're in right now. I can't break that, that like little bit of isolation in my, in my house bubble.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think the, 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 this experience has really shown us, you know, we are humans first, including, you know, when we go into that physical classroom or Zoom classroom. Um, Let's talk a little bit about specifically uh, pedagogy, facilitation, all of that. I'm curious how elements of the modern classroom instructional model, you know, Blended, probably being the most obvious, um, but self pacing, mastery based learning. How you both mentioned this is alleviated stress of teaching during COVID nineteen. Um, how has this? How has this helped, Demi? How has it helped you?
1: Um, one of the like major ones I can think of is just tech because of my experience with the modern classroom, my like education based technology was like extremely advantageous when transitioning into the virtual learning environment. I like had this somewhat of a luxury to already know how to even the simple things like put videos on Google Classroom and make those videos and collect the data still though on my students. So that for me was so beneficial. Um, and helped really, like, get rid of a whole lot of stress. <laughs> um, and when I was in Washington, D.C., when we moved into virtual learning, since my students had been working in the modern classrooms format, our, our transition was was easier, I feel like. Like, they knew they just picked up right where they left off when we, you know, got to that point. It was like, oh, yeah, that's right. I was on lesson two. Okay. like
0: <laughs> Yeah. How do you think, because you had quite a few teachers at your school, also you had a nice professional learning community, if you will, um, implementing the modern classrooms instructional model. How do you think that helped?
1: Oh, that was, that was so helpful. I think we were able to work out kinks with one another, you know, just, hey, real quick, you know, what about this, why we're virtual, uh, virtually teaching. But also we were able to share this and make things easier for our colleagues, you know, like, hey, I can, I'm i really confident with making videos. I can do that for you or I can teach you really quick or I can edit it. So that was like, A, it brought us together in this time of the a pandemic just starting in our lives. And it, it was, you know, I loved it. It like increased my confidence. I was like, I want to share this with you. This is so cool.
0: <laughs> we really saw that a lot. Yeah, we saw our Modern Classrooms educators being kind of stepping up to help their other colleagues. Optional Zoom sessions, jump on a call with me. I'll walk you through it. Um, and it was it was really inspiring to see. Alicia, what about you? How has Modern Classrooms helped alleviate the this, this stress um, during, during? And I know you're completely remote, you're remote teaching.
2: Um, how has it helped? So I think one of the things that it really alleviated was my anxiety because I had a plan. And I think a lot of what teachers are trained to do in terms of our pedagogy, is to have a full-scale plan. You know, we work backwards mapping and planning are really just so embedded in the way that we think that to throw teachers into a new circumstance and then tell them, well, you have to figure it out, that's so, so overwhelming and so anxiety-inducing. But literally from the end of the summer uh, program that I was in to the start of school, I was able to plan out my semester courses and my year-long courses. So I had all my videos done. I had all of my resources put together and all my modules were completed. And it really just gave me a sense of control in an uncontrollable world. It gave me a sense of confidence that I knew how to run a really well-put-together fully virtual classroom that has the intention of being blended. And one of the one of the real benefits of the Modern Classrooms project is that even though we transitioned to full online, there was no missing a beat. It was just, okay, if I would have handed this out in the blended situation, I'm just going to make it virtual now. And it was so easy to put together this big puzzle that really had a lot of my colleagues scratching their heads Like, how am I going to do this much in this time? How am I going to make sure that the pacing is right? How am I going to make sure that differentiation still exists for my students' needs? And all those questions were really just answered for me. So I went to the school year confident and ready, which also allowed me to have the time to be a department chair for my department and give them the attention that I know that they needed during this transition.
0: Yeah. 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 You bring up a couple good points that I feel like we don't talk about enough. And that is backwards planning is inherent when you're designing a modern classrooms unit. Uh, we have those videos ready to go. Uh, we have this unit mapped up. Kids get a personal pacing tracker. And so it's very clear to us uh, what this unit entails, what they are working for. We are very planned. And also that, that, that point of differentiation. You know self self pacing in itself is is differentiation, but we do a lot more beyond that, um whether that's our must do should do aspire to do lessons, whether that's you know mixing it up so one student one student might take their uh, mastery check just verbally. they might talk it out to you whereas the other student is going to write it. Um, there's a lot that we just naturally do as modern classrooms educators to hit some of those those best practices so we know that our school-based administrators you know our principals our assistant principals they can be really influential in teacher satisfaction and ultimately with teacher sustainability um you know we talked about teacher turnover is expensive it's it robs colleagues of consistency and trust you know and there's a lot of power when we're working with kids and their families to be able to say you know, I am Ms. Gaskell, I have had your older brother and I will have your younger sister. <laughs> I think that, you know, when we don't have to re meet parents, there's already that that established trust, you know. So our school-based administrators, they they have an interest in in sustainability, in teacher sustainability. And school based administrators can be really great allies. And this is an extremely trying moment, I think, for them too. Uh, what do you think, Alicia, I'll start with you. What do you think strong administrators can do right now to help teachers stay in their classrooms, be they physical or digital classrooms?
2: I think one of the larger items that they could do, which is also mentioned in the We Are Teachers article that I referenced before. Was, uh, is really advocating for uh, systemic changes to enhance teachers' social-emotional well-being and not just saying, oh, you know, take the time for yourself because all that plays into that, you know, heightened level of toxic positivity that teachers are ascribed to. Um, don't tell me to take time and then overbook me with meetings on my only day that I'm supposed to be using for planning, so on and so forth, right? So, like, really be my ally, No, look and listen to the people who are talking to you and, um, you know, understand where they're coming from. This isn't an easy time for anyone. But the more you can do to assure for the emotional and social well-being for teachers, the more teacher retention you will have. There's got to be that personal investment as well as a monetary investment in education.
0: Yeah. And I'm curious in your role as department chair, probably having a little bit more access to administrators. What have you noticed with communication, especially during COVID? Um, how can you, how are you an advocate for your teachers when speaking to those school based administrators?
2: Um, it's really what is the need of the community? So you'll always have, you know, a number of different people who have a number of different needs, but the repetition of, time needed or the repetition of whatever the complaint or the concern is, is what you take to your admin team. And I think one of the benefits of having the virtual situation, which we do, is it does allow for a deeper level of concentration in a conversation. So I meet with my head of content every Thursday, our our principal of our content, and we have uh, us, the two department chairs and he, we have a meeting together about, you know, what's going on in the department and other items on his agenda. And we really have gotten through a lot of issues that probably could have become bigger issues if we were in person. Because we have time to sit and talk about them and open up an email. Whereas if you're in person, you know, you are you are sitting in a room in front of each other, but then somebody's radio is going off or a kid comes in the classroom, something along those lines. So this really has allowed for a broader level of communication. And then I do come from a school where our principal is very open and he does appreciate when you work through the channels that are implemented, but he isn't adverse to people speaking to him directly so we have the sac advisory committee where you can put in notes um, and also he he will talk to you his door is you know metaphorically now always open but he's he's there to talk so I think engaging in a heightened level of communication and really just investing in the time to listen as well as the advocacy piece and then engaging in flexibility, and not just expecting it, um, because we have been very flexible uh, you know, in a lot of different ways that we didn't expect. So I think for administrators at this point to just be as flexible as you can, be as flexible as you would expect other people to be is another really great piece. Yeah, I, I echo what you're saying with power.
0: I was very fortunate because I, I did get to work with several great administrators who who listened and who are open to to concerns and open to change and i i think the you know i think the very best administrators are going to recognize hopefully they've been teachers themselves and they're going to recognize that this is this is a profession and this is a difficult one teachers are not saints they are not volunteers they are educated professionals and they are working with other people's children is a very unique job and teachers are under a lot of pressure. So yeah, I I, I was fortunate in my career to have administrators, it sounds like you do, that that were responsive and, and would listen. Um, Demi, what about you? What do you think? Um, you know, I know you've been at a couple different schools. When you reflect on your experiences with administrators, and as you're living through this moment now, what do you think our school-based administrators can do to help teachers combat that burnout? To help us stay?
1: I think, um, first off, Alicia and you definitely like hit it right on the nose. I, I agree with with all of that. Um, I really liked you know, how Alicia talked about flexibility and being really honest with that flexibility and not just saying, take the time. And then the next day you're, you know, your only planning period is booked with meetings, et cetera. I also think it's important right now. And when we transition, you know, back into the classroom to like, make it clear that you trust your teachers. I feel like in my past experiences, I've had a lot of like okay, like you, you did this and you went to this meeting. Now you must, you know, stay here and complete your grades and then you could go. And I always was like, it would be so nice if I could go home and eat a taco and (laughs) and complete my grades there. Like why I felt like there was like a mistrust, like I, like we wouldn't do it. And I think being virtually, I'm hoping that this is showing like, oh, of course we could trust teachers, like giving us the room and the trust and the flexibility to be like, you know, do this at home, not stay, don't stay here until they're done or have the trust to do it somewhere else or or with a team or something along those lines. I'm hoping that the trust is really clear from admin, which I think sometimes gets blurry or can be hidden.
0: That is such a good point. Yeah. About this, this notion of trust and flexibility and how how this moment could really help reimagine schools and perhaps make this, make teaching more sustainable. Uh, kind of, I'm, I'm curious what you both think of that. Uh, you know, there's, there, we don't, I don't need to say it. There's been a lot of hard stuff this past year. Um, that certainly hasn't been all roses, but there, I think there have been a few silver linings. Um, that we have we, as educators have learned, and i'm I'm curious what changes or what reimagining of schools and teaching would you like to see just personally grow out of this moment?
2: I gotta say, Demi, like I was snapping in the background uh with your last comments, but you couldn't hear me because my mic was muted. <laughs> <laughs> I really want people to trust us, right that weird socially constructed martyrdom that we have is so like. Ironic in ways because we're expected to do all these things and be given all these things. But then also like, they don't like, you have to stay here. You can't go get a taco. You have to do your grades. Let the woman have a taco. God. Um, yeah, I think, you know, one of the things that I want to see come out of this is some serious, uh, rethinking in the structuring of American education, full stop. We have this structured idea that comes from like the 1800s of like how our schools are set up and how kids attend. And, you know, this isn't a great time really for anyone. I have students who log into my class in between jobs. So they are getting off their first job at around nine o'clock in the morning, logging into my class and then going to their next job. And that is an unfortunate reality and necessity in this country for some students to survive. And we don't give them that respect. We make them choose either their education or their, you know, survival. And I think this has shown us that we need to give more trust, not only to teachers, but to these students that they're going to show up, that they're going to work online if we have an online piece added to our school structure, that we don't have to be in the classroom from, you know, like, I'm just going to ballpark it eight to three fifteen. We can this is a movable feast. We can move things around, and we can make it shape uh, what the reflection of the American society we live in today is. And we don't have to be afraid because we've already jumped in feet first. Yeah, yeah, that is a really, really good point. I, you know, as
0: as full time staff now at Modern Classrooms Project, I can say like there are districts that are. That are making that move we're working with a district helping them establish uh, sort of their online academy to give students more options so they don't have to choose between um, working and school if that is completely necessary for their family or students who have um, you know who have some pretty profound social anxiety or just for for various other very legitimate reasons
2: yeah, I was gonna say like it's not just it's also not just work. It does it covers a range of other items in which you know the the traditional, if you will, structure of of a high school can be shaken up and you can still provide a very good education, a fair and free education for the students.
0: Yep, you really you really can. And I, I, I applaud those districts that are that are making moves to build equity and to to reach all learners. Demi, your your school, I'm I'm curious, I have two part question. Your question on rea on if this causes this moment causes you to want to reimagine schools. And then i uh, I I'd, I'd like you to tell the listeners a little bit about your school, your new school.
1: It does reimagine schools for me and in in all the ways also Alicia said that like we can do this. Like we can provide you know this type of education for every single kid. You know, whether they're working, not working, uh, need to go to school at night, whatever the the case may be. And what I also reimagine is and, and really hoping for is, I feel like as always, putting the supports there for teachers to make it happen a lot of the time especially when we shifted right into virtual learning it was kind of like okay which given nobody knew right nobody knew what was going on but to be like okay these are the supports that that we have this is how we can do this like as administration as school district and leaders take the time to do the research and what is working what needs to be changed how quickly can we do it and what do we need to put in place to support teachers students families all of it absolutely Um, And my school, Trivium Charter School, is um, it it has very unique parts to it. So um, the students have option to do like homeschool curriculum and have the option to do regular school curriculums or they can blend that together. So they can do a homeschool curriculum of geometry, but attend science in the classroom or (laughs) however, however that, that may be. Now, it definitely has its it's kinks and things that need to be worked out. But the the theory behind it is very, very individualized. Um, Students also have the option to do all of their classes at school, like go to (laughs) to a normal day of school. So it's been really interesting. I'm learning a lot. I'm learning a lot about subjects I don't teach. (laughs) Um, And it's just, it's been really cool to see, you know, them thrive. They're all, you know, a lot of the uh, subjects that they they take are self-paced so they're really comfortable working in a self-paced environment which is awesome so yeah
0: that is it's so interesting to me I when when everything opens back up I can't wait to get on a plane and come visit come visit you out there um you know we've we've, we've talked about it before but I really mean it when I say like you know just like we have our school families we have our modern classroom family and you're both in my modern classroom family and I'm as head of teaching and learning here, I, you know, I get to work with a lot of teachers. I get to go through our data on teachers. And I have to say, some of the data points I am most proud of um, are what we hear back from our teachers. We work with, we partner with Johns Hopkins University to look at modern classrooms teachers and traditional teachers and ask them questions about how they're feeling about student learning, how they're feeling about growth, how they're feeling about social-emotional aspects of their classroom and how they are feeling themselves as a teacher. And overwhelmingly, our teachers say that they feel they're growing and improving as a professional. We do see higher higher indications on questions that ask them about the sustainability of the job they say overwhelmingly i i know i am doing the best i can or things like I, I intend to continue teaching for many more years i enjoy teaching they they answer that they do not feel as stressed in class as our control group and i i'm Really, really proud of those points. I'm as proud of those points as I am about the points about student learning. Um, and I'm curious about your thoughts about just this question on sustainability. How has modern classrooms, um, Demi, we'll start with you, how has it changed your thoughts on your own ability to stay teaching?
1: Oh my goodness. Um, in, a, in a lot of ways, <laughs> um, it's definitely modern classrooms for me personally has increased my confidence to do so many things like inside and outside the classroom. Outside of the classroom, I am mentoring teachers, I'm writing articles, I'm being on a podcast. <laughs> if you knew me, you know, 3 years ago, I would have never done that. I don't think I would have had the confidence to to say like I am really good at this. I am impacting so many people and I want to share it. So, it's like gotten me out of my comfort zone and it reminds me every day, like I have something important to share and I want to share it. Like this is, you know, for me, it's changing the lives of, it's changing the lives of my students, like how they're learning and me every day, like going to work, being confident when I'm in the classroom with them. Since we're not focused on so much of the, you have to be right here with me right now, I can build, you know, deeper relationships with my students. And at the same time, I can watch them do really cool things like take responsibility for their own learning.
0: Absolutely. Uh, Alicia, what about you? Um, How's Modern Classrooms changed your thoughts on your ability to stay teaching?
2: Well, I, I have to start with, you know, I, I didn't shout out my university, which is, you know, State University of New York at Cortland uh, when I introd myself, uh, which is, you know, known as the teacher's college in New York and has a very amazing, uh, really hefty structure of pedagogy and content at the same time. And really, I came out of there, I had no, no reservations about starting teaching. I felt very confident. It was the unknown that was the piece that I was, you know, worried about where would I go, what would I do? I stuck to that very traditional understanding of how to implement instruction in the classroom really really hard in my first 5 years because I thought that was the only way to do it and I really was in a small school in Maryland where you know that traditional structure was the expectation that was the winning structure that is what you know perfection really looked like and then I became frustrated with the dead ends that I kept running into in terms of being able to serve my students and looking as creatively as I can for, you know, real areas of help and then technology advancing, which makes me sound wildly old, (laughs) you know, as advanced as it kept going and kept getting and kept getting and became more of an integrated piece in education. Modern Classroom became kind of like the yoga teacher I always wanted, uh, because I, I can't do a backbend, but you are there. Modern classrooms is there to make me the most flexible human ever. I was very rigid in my structures, and I really believed in those, you know, traditional ideals of how to put forth instruction in any type, you know, co-taught, standard, honors, APDE, college level, I really thought this was the way to do it. And Modern Classroom really made me pull apart that pedagogy, that you know, methodology, and look at the pieces and put it back together in such a way that I never really knew that this is what I could do with it. This is what I could build. So it really made me more flexible, more open, more understanding, and really pushed me to these different boundaries outside of these boundaries that I never thought I could achieve because I didn't know how.
1: I agree with that. And I would also just say it, modern classrooms encouraged me to be to be a learner, exactly how you're saying. Like, it's one of very few PDs where I came out of and I was like, I am so excited to implement this. I learned something, um, it, it worked, and now I want to continue to learn. I want to do more and continue to, you know, to relook at things. Whereas a lot of, you know, PDs I came out of, I was like, I... <laughs>
2: I honestly, I have to, I love the um, piece of your sentence. I like, I, I love the learning part, but I have to say the word excited really jumps out to me because it was the first time I have been excited in 13 years like, really, truly excited and not, you know, I think we all have the same base level of ire towards PDs because (laughs) we don't ever really get what we're looking for from them. And we get so excited to get there. And then we get there and we're like, okay, maybe not. Uh, that's That's the reality of it. But this was the first even just speaking about it with Bernadette, I was so, I was like, oh gosh, I really hope I get this because I feel like this is what I really need. This is what I've been missing. This is going to be the yoga instructor that gets me to do the back then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wait, Which I can't wait. It's our,
0: that's going to be our new marketing campaign, right? You know, like we are your, we are your teacher yoga teacher. Yeah. Um, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Demi and Alicia. This, um, this was really important for me to hear from both of you. You, you did my teacher heart so, so well. And I, I hope that listeners, I hope that as you listen, you realize how important you are. Uh, you are not alone in this really, really hard profession. It's hard, but it's beautiful.
2: Can I give one last piece of advice? Do you mind? Yes, please, please. Okay. I have this really great piece of advice that I got from a really great friend uh, whose name is Laurel. Hi, if you're listening. Um, So we were on a walk once and I was opining about how I had to, I decided that I wasn't going to do anything the next day. And I felt kind of bad because people had asked me to do stuff. And she stopped and looked at me and said the best thing ever. So she questioned me. She was like, well, if you had made plans with a friend for tomorrow, would you feel as badly about telling these other people that you couldn't do whatever? And I was like no. And she's like, well, well, then why would you feel so bad, you know, canceling for yourself? Yeah. So the, you know, moral of the story here is you can't show up for everyone all the time, which I feel like as educators we're taxed to do be all things, do all things. But it is especially important during this time that you always show up for yourself, show up for yourself and have time to show up for yourself.
0: Yep. Because when teachers when we burn out we're not good for any kid um we're not there anymore so i really love that just that idea of showing up for yourself and and that enables you to do to do the most beautiful job in the world thank you for joining me tonight uh Teachers, you are you are you are really 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 important. If no one else is telling you that, please let us. Um, you can always learn more about us if this is your first time checking out the Modern Classrooms Project at www.modernclassrooms.org and learn more about the self-paced, blended, mastery-based strategies that we mentioned in our free online course at learn.modernclassrooms.org. We are going to be here next week. Teachers, thank you for everything you do. Have a wonderful week.
2: Bye. Thank you so much for having me on today. Bye. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Hey, again, it's Kate. I look forward to this segment, Love from Our Teachers, every week because we hear directly from our educators on how the Modern Classrooms model has helped them greater serve students. This week, I get to introduce you to Eva Lamar, a fourth grade teacher in Oregon and designer of some of the coolest game board trackers you have ever seen. We loved working with Eva last summer. Hi, this is Eva Lamar. I'm a fourth grade teacher in Springfield, Oregon. I attended the professional development for the Modern Classroom Project this summer. This program pushed me to explore how to utilize technology differently than our more recent consume the learning model. I like that it challenged me to consider my options and expand how students interact with the learning. While magic might not exist, magical teaching techniques do exist. The Modern Classroom Project will help you revolutionize your classroom. It's not magic. It's well thought out and researched pedagogy applied to the needs of the modern classroom. It reaches all the students and it allows you to speak to all the students while helping all the students. That is pretty amazing. To learn more about our professional development options, visit modernclassrooms.org slash programs or go directly to our free course at learn.modernclassrooms.org. Have a great week.